Today, we have a very special announcement. We are launching our audiobook, The Shit They Never Taught You. So, over the last five years, we've recorded over 300 episodes. We've both read over 300 books each and probably spent over $30,000 and, I'd say, 10,000 hours into studying and putting these podcast episodes together. So, it's safe to say we've come across some amazing ideas, whether it be from entrepreneurs, billionaires, behavioral psychologists, historians, personal development experts philosophers and all of these ideas that we've come across we've put it into one single volume and this is the book the shit they never taught you the physical book we took 115 books we combined them into 32 meta lessons across nine different categories so there's something for everybody now the audio book we went a step further we added a bonus chapter to every lesson so we ended up with 147 books in this one audio book it's a power packet it's the most potent audio content that we've ever created. It's over 25 hours of solid gold that you can listen to to learn about every area of your life. So today it is available and you can purchase through us on our website at theshitthenevertaughtyou.com for 50% off, so a half price if you use the code LAUNCH. Make sure that's all caps. Head to theshitthenevertaughtyou.com, use the code LAUNCH and for this very limited time, you can get 50% off the audio book, The Shit They Never Taught You. And so, to give you a little taste, today we're dropping the introduction. Hope you enjoy. The Shit They Never Taught You by Adam Jones and Adam Ashton. What you can learn from books. Introduction. The Magic Pill. Limitless, starring Bradley Cooper, is a story about an ordinary bloke named Eddie Mora. At the beginning of the film... He is an all-round loser. He gets dumped by his girlfriend, has bags under his eyes, and is an ignorant alcoholic. Eddie's life is an absolute mess. Through a series of events, Eddie gets hold of a drug called NZT47. He pops a pill as he walks up the stairs to his apartment. In an argument with his landlord, he sees himself in an out-of-body experience. He thinks... I was blind, but now I see. He opens the door to his apartment, and it's a disgusting mess. Interestingly, the first thing Eddie does is clean the dishes, empty the trash can, and tidy his house. With his newfound intelligence, he played the stock market and made bank. He goes from a lazy bum to a supercharged genius. At first... He was in awe of the power of this drug, but he soon realized its effects were quite simple. It made him clear on what he needed to do and how to do it. NZT47 gave Eddie the missing piece of the puzzle. He now holds all of the ingredients required to achieve success in the modern world. He's happy, rich, hot, smart, a weapon in bed, and doing meaningful work. Would you take that pill? This is an important question we all have to ask ourselves. Most people spend their whole life convinced a pill like this doesn't exist. If you want a similar transformation to Eddie, there is a simple prescription available. The deal. Think of what $25 can get you these days. You might get coffees for a week, a few pints at the pub, an Uber trip to a mate's place, or a movie ticket. 
These purchases might put a smile on your face and can brighten up a dull week. But the benefit or value of these purchases are of a short-term nature. You drink the coffee, get perked up for a few hours, then it's gone. Contrast that to something else you could invest your cash in, books. In return for handing over some of your hard-earned, you get to tap into the greatest brains that have ever roamed the planet. Authors devote their entire lives to studying and researching a single topic. Then they bundle up the most important information into a neat little package to share with the world. What bloody legends! Books are the most undervalued commodity on the planet. But you probably already know this. Telling someone to read more books is like telling someone to make more money or lose weight. Wanting to do something and actually doing it are two totally different ball games. We're all busy with our jobs, our friends, our kids, plus we have to get some sleep, clean the dishes, go for a jog, and of course, have to find some time for some Netflix and chill. All of the book recommendations you're getting keep piling up on the nightstand, but when you hit the hay after a long day of dealing with life's obligations, you can't seem to find a good book that will tell you what you need to know to improve your life. There are so many amazing books out there, but there's also a lot of crap. Some academics know their shit, but can't make it digestible for the layperson like you or I. Some authors hit it big with a viral TED talk or an appearance on Oprah, and a publisher handed them a juicy check to turn their 18-minute spiel into a 300-page book, which meant they fluffed it up with a lot of junk. Others just regurgitate the same old platitudes that add no value to your life. If you can trudge your way through the swamp of crap books to find some gold on the other side, your life could change in an instant. Imagine reading about a brand new idea that was told in an engaging and entertaining way. Imagine taking the best nuggets of gold from the greatest minds in history and applying it to your own world. That would be a truly amazing pill. The shit they never taught you. Have you ever learned something so simple yet so profound it made you think, why the hell didn't someone tell me this earlier? As avid book readers, it happens to us every couple of weeks, ranging from simple ideas about how to save more money to more complex ideas about how the human brain plays tricks on us. There are a whole host of eye-opening ideas we were never taught when we were growing up. For our entire adult lives, we've been searching for magic pills that could change the trajectory and our ultimate destination of our lives. And we found them hidden inside books. We've packaged up the biggest ideas from over a hundred of the greatest minds on the planet. The Shit They Never Taught You is a compilation of exactly that. The Shit They Never Taught You. The Shit. Hopefully we don't have to spell this out, but we're not referring to the stuff that pops out of your digestive tract on a daily basis. We're referring to the near infinite mass of ideas floating out in the ether that could enter your brain. It is impossible to learn every single thing in one lifetime, but the more ideas you expose yourself to, the better off you'll be. Each new idea you pick up increases your chance of achieving your life goals. There's plenty of shit out there to learn, and in this book, we'll be dishing up heaps of new game-changing ideas you've never come across. They. Who are they? Who teaches us? This is subjective. For almost everybody, to some extent, we learn from teachers. We spend five days a week at school for 13 years or more if you go on to further study. 
Schools, teachers, or professors teach us a hell of a lot, but their scope is somewhat limited. Most of us also learn a lot from the people around us as we grow up. Parents, guardians, grandparents, aunts, uncles, neighbors, sports coaches, or mentors. Each has their role, and each has a specific scope of what they can teach us. Beyond that, we might get lucky with mentors popping up in unexpected places. Perhaps a boss, a colleague, or a family friend. In any case, the group of they that we're exposed to is somewhat limited. By reading this book, we're going to exponentially expand your circle of they to now include the smartest people in history. You'll now be learning from CEOs, billionaires, entrepreneurs, marketing gurus, hedge fund managers, philosophers, behavioral psychologists, anthropologists, historians, and more. These legends and geniuses, the most influential authors on the planet, will be your new teachers. Never taught you. No single person holds the world's wisdom. Whoever the they were that taught you, they did their best with what they knew. We're not here to rag on them, but there is just too much out there to possibly teach. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize that they missed out on a lot of stuff. We're sure that you've probably had a moment in your life that pointed out a gaping hole in your education, just like we have. A few personal introductions. Throughout this audiobook, you're going to hear from two voices, Adam Ashton, that's me, and Adam Jones. You might hear us referring to ourselves or each other as Ashto and Jonesy from here on. Adam Ashton, I, Ashto, loved school. I was always the top of my class, often going beyond my year level. When I was in year two, my mum went to school to get some advanced maths homework to keep me interested. When I was in year three, I spent my Easter holidays creating lessons. I didn't think the teacher was doing a good enough job, so on the first day back at school, I stood up and taught the class for a day, handing out photocopies of the activities I'd made over the school holidays. Needless to say, this didn't make me a very popular kid in primary school, neither with the teachers nor the other kids. I spent three years in Papua New Guinea in quite a different school environment before coming back to Melbourne in year nine to a select entry school. To get in, you had to be in the top 2% of students in the country. Surrounded by a bunch of nerds and geniuses, after coming from an international school in Papua New Guinea, I struggled to find my feet. I had always been at the top of my class, but now I found myself near the bottom. I got my first ever F in maths. It felt like I was years behind the pack. But I soon worked out the system. I saw what was required of me. Work bloody hard. Read the textbooks before class. Rapidly note down everything that comes out of the teacher's mouth. Spend recess and lunchtime doing homework. Then use those precious four or five hours every night after school reviewing and solidifying everything I'd learnt. The end goal was clear. The way to win was straightforward. So I went about playing the game. I made a quick climb back up the hierarchy, nailing A's and A-pluses for the rest of the year. Senior high school was even easier for me. The statewide curriculum was clearly laid out and I had access to all the textbooks and all the end-of-year exams from the past 30 years. The structure was in place, the rules were clear, the way to win was the same. Study harder and smarter than everyone else and be ready to answer any question they could throw at you from a narrowly defined curriculum. I was becoming a master at this game. 
I'd wake up at 6 a.m. to do an hour of maths in the morning, spend my lunchtimes knocking out a few chemistry questions in the library, then practicing writing essays after school. In the second half of the school year, I racked up 746 hours of study outside the classroom. I know this number so precisely because I rigorously tracked and tallied how I spent every waking hour of every day. This grit and determination seemed to be the key ingredients for achieving my goals. I ended up with a great score at the end of the year, a score that would allow me entry into pretty much any university course of my choosing. This is where things started to fall apart. I'd worked out the game of school. I knew the rules. I knew exactly what I had to do to win. But the game of life was totally different. The system wasn't as clear. I suddenly had more options with very few objective measures of winning. I found myself floundering. I changed course a couple of times. I dealt poker at a casino. I managed a frozen yogurt shop. I worked at a bank. I worked in transport and logistics. I was a little all over the shop. But then I discovered books and my whole world changed. I hadn't opened a single book since high school, since the days of writing dodgy essays about Shakespeare, Charles Dickens and Mark Twain. But a mate introduced me to podcasts in 2013 and it seemed like every megastar on the planet being interviewed was crediting books as their first step to success. I figured it was time to try reading one. The first book I opened was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, something we'll cover in Chapter 40, Communicating with Words. The book contained quite obvious stuff about interpersonal relationships. Well, I say obvious now, but at the time, I was completely oblivious. Old Ashto was always talking about himself. New Ashto was able to become genuinely interested in others. I was able to bust out a few of these tactics at work and quickly gained a lot more respect around the office. This book turned me from a nervous nerd into a confident colleague. The second book I cracked was Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. It was all about following your passion. Old Ashto just assumed you picked a career path and stuck to it. New Ashto had his eyes opened to a world of possibilities. According to Gary V. There were people obsessed with the Smurfs who had somehow created a massive social media following and generated a life-changing amount of money just by selling Smurf crap to other Smurf superfans. This book turned me from an uninformed sheep to a bright-eyed wannabe. Next, I read The Game by Neil Strauss. Actually, I thought I was reading The Game a book about pickup artists, but I fucked up and accidentally bought The Rules of the Game by mistake. Being a young, single bloke who'd spent four years at an all-boys school, I was pretty keen to learn how I could talk to the other half of the population. So while The Game was about different ways of picking up chicks, The Rules of the Game that I'd accidentally bought by mistake was a 30-day self-improvement program that also included ideas for talking to women. On day two, I got my hair cut. On day four, I went to the shopping center and for the first time in my life, I bought clothes that mum hadn't picked out for me. On day eight, I had my first real test, approaching a female. Old Ashto would have been too scared to get two words out. But new Ashto had a false confidence and just enough courage to speak to a girl. This book turned me from an average frustrated chump to a burgeoning Casanova, 
at least in my mind anyway. I whipped out some of the palm reading techniques they recommended and they worked well, (laughs) almost too well. I managed to make out with the first girl I tried this on after just 20 minutes of gaming her. Don't ask me what's involved in day 9 through day 30 of the rules of the game program. I never got the chance to read them. I started dating the first girl I met and we've been together ever since. At this point, I was 3 from 3 with books. I got a job, I started a business and I got a girl. Tick, tick, tick. A whole new world of opportunities was opening up in front of my very eyes. As old Eddie Modra said, I was blind but now I see. While most of my uni mates were stressing through their final year of studying, I could put the queue in the rack knowing I'd beat out tens of thousands of applicants and already secured a graduate job a year in advance at one of Australia's biggest corporations. After working as a casual in hospitality and making around $8,000 each year to that point, I managed to make over $25,000 in a month, including $14,000 in a single weekend in my first ever business. Plus, I was no longer the awkward bloke hiding in the corner at parties. Now I had a date I could bring along and show off. The possibilities were endless. The more books I read, the more gold I uncovered. I realized there was so much I'd never been taught. Those early wins fueled my love of reading and I'm always searching for the next new eye-opening idea. Adam Jones Growing up, I was lucky with the people who were in my life. Firstly, I had a single mother who had to fight to give my brother and I a shot. She had it tough. She worked three jobs, a classic nine to five, a job stacking shelves during the evenings and her own catering business which took up the weekend. In between that, she cooked meals, coached my basketball team and did the tuck shop duties for our junior footy games. She did all of this to put me through a decent school but I got something much more valuable. I learned from her the power of grit and hard work. With these attributes, I made my way through my childhood and adolescence without being too much of a dropkick. Secondly, I was lucky that my best friend's family also helped out, strongly influencing the trajectory of my childhood and adolescence. With their support, the lid of my potential was knocked rungs much higher than those my social class were meant to have. They took me on a holiday every year for 15 years, taking me to places what seemed a world away. I learnt the impact of generosity, and with the Malibu boats, unlimited booze, and riverfront mansions, I came across a dichotomy, the life of wealth and luxury, or that of the Aussie battler. I also learnt that money wasn't the only proxy for a good life. School educated me. Some of the easiest things to learn were quite useful, like math and English, but some weren't. The capital of Bangladesh, the periodic table, and how to order McDonald's in Indonesian. I liked the sciencey subjects, so I went into engineering. Like most people, it was a gamble because you can't ever be sure if your four-year, $40,000 investment will pay off or not. The degree is necessary to land a responsible job, but 90% of the time I invested into it turned out to be redundant. The degree formed this so-called ticket and it was absolutely necessary to land a responsible job. It is critical to learn the basics of how to go out and design these buildings so they don't fall over. But 90% of the time I invested into this degree turned out to be redundant. For example, in my fourth year of engineering, I found myself in advanced structural analysis. We were learning how to construct the framework for the finite element method. 
The three-hour exam had only one engineering problem to solve and it took eight pages of complicated mathematics to get there. In panic studying, I went through multiple 196-page notebooks to cram for this one exam. At the pointy end of the degree, these were the hardest questions that separated the strong from the weak, or so I thought. It turns out that what took me three hours of pain can be done by a computer in a fraction of a second. Not only that, the computer can repeat the computation millions of times to find out answers that are millions of times more accurate. All that stress and hard work I put in went down the drain. Ironically, the point of this engineering course wasn't to learn about becoming the best engineer in the workforce. It was to make the problems challenging enough that the students could be placed on a well-distributed bell curve where one-third of students are destined to fail. If you could separate the wheat from the chaff, then the top engineering firms can sweep up the smartest kids. Most would say that the point of high school and university was to get you to the point that you're a productive contributor to society. In my case, it was to be a productive engineer and be hired by the best company. Although I did get hired, the preparation only gets you so far. There is by no means any scarcity that comes with a commodified skill set that is an undergraduate degree. There is a smorgasbord of other things to learn, whether the skills be hard or soft, that can be more effective at making us valuable in a career. In the office, nobody cared about the framework for the finite element method. If anything, good grades in such difficult subjects were in negative correlation with the ability to crack gags to potential clients and have four pints over a 90-minute Friday lunch. University was an expensive and difficult rite of passage into the structural engineering profession. At 23, I wasn't aware of real-world skills. I was going along with the current paradigm. Good degree, good job, good life. My narrow worldview had holes in it. One motto I had was, work hard and party hard. And I did both to the extreme. Binge drinking on weekends, experimenting with party drugs, and smoking a pack of ciggies every day. But I could always nut out 15 hours of study in a day when required. My other life motto at the time was, hey, let future Adam worry about it. This motto worked really well for a long time, but sooner or later, future Adam was certainly on his way back with a vengeance. The trajectory I was on was going to turn me into a royal flop if I wasn't careful. Sooner or later, things were going to catch up with me. Thankfully, I picked up my first influential book and everything changed. Most people break up the course of history into two periods, before Christ, BC, and after Christ, AC. For me, I break up my life into two periods. Before book, BB, and after book, AB. Before book, Jonesy, is symbolized by being a party animal, chasing women, and doing enough to scrape by so it doesn't all fall apart. After book, Jonesy, is symbolized by insatiable curiosity, passion, drive, and living for the long term. And the transition all started with an encounter with Alan Carr's The Easy Way to Stop Smoking. The book claimed to not only make stopping smoking simple, but transform the whole process into something enjoyable. My skeptical self thought, yeah, bullshit, Alan. How can a book make me quit smoking? I skeptically read on, but Big Al, he came in on his promise. This investment turned out to return me over $1.1 million. Yes, the average smoker spends $1.1 million in their lifetime, and one simple book was able to shift this one massive habit. It removed the idea of the addictive personality and planted the seed that an idea from another human being plus a little bit of action can change you in a massive way. 
It destroyed one of the most destructive habits in my life and replaced it with an equal and opposite habit for good. I gave the book to my mum, who was able to quit easily after 40 years of smoking, her partner, who quit after 50 years of smoking, and the local barista who'd mentioned he was interested, who gave me a big hug and a big sloppy kiss as well. The journey to quit smoking yielded so much reward, I became hooked. I read more books, which kick-started experimentation with new things. Whether it was quitting alcohol for a year, new systems of time management, doing comfort challenges like stand-up comedy, investing in the stock market, or launching a variety of new projects, I was blown away by the results. I went through a learning explosion. It turns out, a book can really slap you up with ideas that can change you in fundamental ways. What you will learn. Luckily, we both discovered the world of books around the same time in our early 20s. We first met working at a suburban pub together, pulling beers for the local barflies. A few years later, we crossed paths again. I saw Jonesy sitting by himself at the university pub with a beer in one hand and a book in the other. Everyone was having fun with friends, but Jonesy was by himself. Most people would assume Jonesy was a bit of a loner who didn't have friends, but I was also hooked on books, so I totally got it. In between Jonesy learning the matrix method for structural design or me learning pricing financial derivatives at university, we flicked through non-fiction books. We were both perplexed. Why the fuck aren't they teaching us this other stuff? Why am I only just seeing this stuff at the age of 23? We couldn't understand why people were still trying to quit smoking with nicotine patches or talking over the top of people or programming in destructive habits or living by other people's values or starting projects that were destined to fail. If they just read a couple of books, they'd be able to avoid all of those all-too-common pitfalls. On top of our love of books, we both shared a love for podcasts. We'd talk about the latest episodes that left an impression on us. We felt like the first bloke to dig up a nugget in the gold rush. The painful moments like sitting in traffic or doing the weekly grocery shop were no longer a waste of time. They became opportunities to whack in the headphones and learn from experts we would have otherwise never heard of. And of course, being lovers of books and podcasts, we looked for podcasts about books. Even in the early days of podcasting, the market was somewhat saturated with them. But upon listening, we found one common theme. They all sucked. They were boring as hell, which would be fine if you wanted to learn how to sleep better because they knocked us straight out. But they weren't okay for anyone looking for engaging and entertaining insights you could apply to your own life. In June 2016, the What You Will Learn podcast was born. Each week, we went through the best bits of the best books and put it out into the world in an easily digestible 30-minute episode. In the beginning, the preparation time was 30 seconds and the listener base was less than three people, including us. At first, we just delivered the actionable lessons. No fluff, no bullshit anecdotes, no made-up formulas. But with every podcast, our style evolved. We actually realized that this fluff, or the stories, were vital to learning. Rather than just telling the reader everything we had learned by reading the books, we took them on the journey to learn it for themselves too. It turns out that delivering a lesson is much more complicated than we could possibly anticipate. The process is much like the structure of a house that is constructed from bricks and mortar. A brick 
is just like the lesson and the mortar is the extra bits that stick it all together. Without the mortar, you've just got a bunch of bricks sitting on top of each other, but they could topple at any moment. Over an extended period of tens of thousands of hours, we became the experts in delivering the ideas contained in books. As a way to provide enough mortar for an idea to stick, we developed new ways to introduce examples, studies, metaphors, and personal stories to build tension and prepare the listener for the lesson and to add some entertainment value to each lesson. We've landed on a process that involves reading the book, taking notes, reviewing the best bits, preparing a map of ideas, discussing the episode plan, and tweaking the structure for optimal delivery. We've gone on a reading journey that has taken us through over 350 books each in the space of under five years. We've recorded 300 plus podcast episodes together, making the best bits of the best books available each and every week. Now, hundreds of thousands of people are tuning in every month. What you're holding in your hand is the best bits of the best bits of the best books. You're about to read the best lessons they never taught you. We hope that books can do for you what they have done for us. Rules for reading. We believe that a good book is efficient on words, gives new insights to the reader, and opens the door to a positive shift in the reader's behavior. As we mentioned, we were both sort of math nerds. Astro with his perfect score on the year 12 maths exam, and me with my hardcore engineering comps. So we've created a mathematical formula, and this will assess the quality of a book and help you get the most you can out of what you're holding in your hands. The value of reading equals the quality of content divided by time invested, to the power of book selection. Now let's break them down. The quality of content. One way to increase the value is to increase the numerator, but the quality of content is subjective. And once a book is printed, its quality is fixed. Sorry, but there's not much you can do to change the quality of content inside a book. So we need to focus on the other two factors. Book selection. While you can't control the quality of the content, you can control what you read. A high-impact book is one that resonates with you, teaches you what you want to learn, and stretches you a little outside your comfort zone. This factor has an exponential impact on the value of reading. Picking a shit book drops the overall reading value to the floor, and picking a phenomenal book sends the value skyrocketing. The book you hold in your hands can be a powerful tool for your future book selection. We've effectively given you a sample of the best bits of a truckload of different books, so your book selection abilities should go through the roof. Time invested. The other way to increase the value of reading is to decrease the denominator. If you can get to the gold quicker, the value to you increases. Sometimes a 120-page book with 7 good ideas feels better to read than a 450-page book with 10 great ideas but a lot of crap to battle through to find it. If you can reduce your reading time and focus only on what is most benefit to you, the value goes up. This is no ordinary book. The shit they never taught you is divided into nine parts with 32 lessons and 115 chapters. We want you to maximize the value you get from this book by playing with the book's value equations elements. Here are our three suggested methods for tackling this book. Number one, the completionist approach. The most common way to read a book is the completionist approach. Cover to cover, front to back. 
Start on part one, lesson one, chapter one, page one, and read in order all the way through to the end. The upside is that you'll read everything that's in this book. The downside is that not everything in this book will apply to you. Astro is a natural completionist. He likes to read every single page of every single chapter of every single section. He likes to listen to every episode of a podcast, watch every episode of a sitcom, but we've both learned that this is not the most efficient or effective way of learning. Astro started challenging himself to start skipping some sections and it can save you from reading for the sake of reading. If you've already grasped the concept or a chapter feels unimportant, you can skip over anything you don't enjoy and focus on the truly vital stuff. We painstakingly wrote and rewrote every single paragraph so that every chapter offered value to the reader. So if you're a completionist, feel free to read cover to cover, but this method doesn't allow you any control over the value equation. We want to offer an approach that will give you more control and increase the value you get out of this book. Pick 10. The 32 lessons in this book cover such an expansive range of topics that it's unlikely all of them will resonate with you. We give you permission to pick and choose. Look at the table of contents and pick your favorite 10 lessons up front. They don't have to be 10 in a row and you don't have to read every lesson in every section. They can be any random assortment of 10 lessons that jump out at you the most. By picking and choosing specific sections, you're maximizing the book selection factor and minimizing the time invested factor. So your overall value of reading goes through the roof. You may pick this book up again at another time in your life and an entirely different 10 lessons will be relevant. Once you get through 10, you can mark this book in your brain as read. From the altruist who wants to make the world a better place, the intellectual who wants to share knowledge over a bottle of red, to the young employee who wants to become a CEO, or to the soon-to-be retiree that wants to start a side business, whoever you are, there are 10 lessons for everyone. If something doesn't resonate with you, you have permission to skip forward until you find something that does. 3. The coffee table approach. Each part, lesson, and chapter can stand on its own. That means you can leave it on the coffee table and flick through at your leisure. Anyone can crack open a random chapter and learn something new. We've weaved the chapters together to form meta lessons, but you don't have to start from the start. You can open to any random spot. There are also no rules that say you have to go from front to back. Feel free to start at lesson 12, then reverse to lesson 5, play ahead to 31, then reread 31 before flicking back to 32. There may be a little assumed knowledge in chapters that fall later in a specific section, but ultimately, you should be able to open the book to any lesson without feeling lost. Shoulders of Giants Nothing is more cringy than a 23-year-old unemployed dropout who quit their job to become a life coach. Sooner or later, they'll find that nobody wants life advice from someone who doesn't actually have any life experience. Their only possible clients are coaches who coach other coaches to coach more coaches that are under similar delusions. At the time of writing, we're both still young blokes. We're cognizant that we can't be acting as an authority on the broad range of topics presented in our book, self-improvement, career, entrepreneurship, marketing, leadership, personal finance, human nature, history, and philosophy. This is a scope that no single person can master themselves in a lifetime. 
But what we have done is spent tens of thousands of dollars buying hundreds of phenomenal books, then spending tens of thousands of hours reading them, taking notes, and turning them into podcast episodes to teach others the best bits. It's taken us years to pull everything together into the entertaining, digestible, and enlightening beast that you hold in your hands. We've effectively laid out the same financial and time investment of a university degree, but the outcome was far more valuable than any piece of paper with a fancy logo on it. As Isaac Newton said, If I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. We thank every single author whose book we've read and benefited from. Their teachings have made us who we are today. We've digested their ideas, fought with each other about our interpretations, put our own spin on them, then grouped them together with similar ideas from other legendary writers to form meta-lessons. All in all, these ideas belong to the authors who first wrote about them. We've just repackaged them in a way that makes the most sense to us. We hope that this book, The Shit They Never Taught You, can be a gateway to your lifelong learning journey. As Dr. Sue said, you have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself in any direction you choose. You're about to embark on a reading journey like you've never had before. Let's begin.